peppers and radishes, but I think that's an old note, right, Johnny? There's no green peppers today, right? Oh, there are some green peppers there? Oh, yeah? <laughs> okay. Well, there's some green peppers there, so, um, so I may or may not get any because Chris is out of town, so, uh, uh, but um, uh, we'll see. But I, ha I actually ate some of uh, your tomatoes today in a sandwich, so, um, but why don't we pray and we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the Word of God for blessing us and being good to us. And Father, we thank you so much for the Spirit of God that resides in us. As your children, Father, we thank you that you gifted us the Spirit of God to learn and understand your Word, Father. We can't learn it and understand it with our mind, but we can learn it and understand through the presence of your Spirit. And so we depend upon him to teach and to instruct and to lead and to guide, Father. We thank you that he does his job. He's faithful to do it. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there tonight. And so, um, you know, when I, whenever I study the Word of God, my expectation is that the Spirit of God does His part, right, which is to reveal and to instruct, and, and He's a teacher, right? Uh, and so uh, I always expect Him to hook up with me as I study the Word of God. And a lot of times I'm talking to the Lord, you know, what does this mean? You know, why did you say this? You know, why did you do it this way? Uh, and I ask a lot of questions, <clears throat> um, you know, about the Word of God, and not from a, from a doubting perspective, but uh, an understanding perspective. What does this mean? Why did you do this this way, right? And so, um, and, uh, and we got here down to um, uh, Philippians chapter 3 and, and verse 2, where it says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. And so we were talking about, and there's a couple more things we want to say about this, about some of the interactions that Paul has had by name, that he named certain people uh, in the Word of God that, that had uh, caused him difficulties. And then what he did in those cases, right? So we talked a lot last week about uh, handing people over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. And, um, uh, you know, what we have to do is the people that, you know, I don't really like to use the word victims, but people that are on the receiving end of other people's unkindness and uh, uh, evil working, uh, we have to always do right. Uh, amen. Uh, in fact, uh, years ago, you, you know many of the stories that I've told, told about uh, about my pastor and, and the difficult times that I had there at the church uh, for about the last seven years that we were there before he went on to be with the Lord. Uh, the Lord asked me one time um, about, because um, he was just dealing with about all the things that, you know, I kept thinking about all the things they had done to me, right? Unjustly, right? Uh, calling me out publicly and accusing me of all manner of evil, you know, saying I came up to the church and and uh, sabotage the sound system and just things like that, you know, that I never did, of course, never. And I, it's not only I never did it, I never thought about doing it. You know, who, did anybody ever think about doing that? You ever think about, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go go to the church in the middle of the week and sabotage the sound system. Who thinks, who does that, right? I mean, does anybody? And, and, and they even put a folder in the sound booth to show me that they'd taken like all these color pictures you know they took a bunch of pictures with a camera this is back before cell phones had you know so they used a camera a digital camera took a bunch of pictures and then printed them out and picked in color on eight you know eight and a half by eleven papers and a whole folder full of them to show me that they've taken pictures of the soundboard so if i changed any knobs they would come back there and get me that's just messed up isn't that messed up i mean just fire me right i tried to quit they wouldn't want you know if you quit you're of the devil you know i said what's wrong with you all uh if you don't if you you know uh, and so <laughs> it was just insane, right? I mean, just insane. Uh, and so, you know, and so all those thoughts of, you know, why are they doing this to me? And, you know, uh, just kind of the normal things that, that uh, if you're an innocent person, 
that you go through mentally and dealing with, trying to deal with those situations. It was difficult, you know, and, and it took me a long time to figure and find my way through that. I did find my way through it before he went home to be with the Lord and, and got the victory over that, all that mess, where they really couldn't hurt my feelings or, you know, it wasn't that I just shut down. I just found the grace to, to live with it. And, uh, but the Lord was asking me about, as I was thinking about that, he, he said, what, what is your responsibility? If everything you think they're doing, they are doing. Because pretty much everything I thought they were doing, they were doing, right? They were lying on me. They were trying to destroy my character. You know, one time somebody stood up in the church and said, Chip Bolio gave me bad financial advice. And uh, I mean, who does that, right? Any of y'all do that in, right, in a service tonight? You and me are going to have to have a conversation, right? Uh, but, um, uh, you know, now who does that, right? Stands up in church and said, that guy over there gives bad financial advice. Well, I wasn't a financial advisor. Uh, and in that context of him, uh, there, was no ever, there was never any advice. He had come and asked the church for some money. And my pastor said, you go talk to him. Like, okay. And, and uh, you know, I don't care if he asked me to do that. Because, you know, the Lord's given me a little bit of wisdom over the years about how to manage finances and, and things like that. <clears throat> and uh, it's been a blessing in my own life and people that I've been able to help in that area. I'm not a financial advisor. I have no license for it. But, you know, just basics about don't spend more than you make. I mean, that, you know, that's pretty simple, right? But how to manage debt and how to, you know, get out of debt and those types of things is, is helpful to, to people. You know, if you, talk, if you need long-term uh, advice for investing, uh, that's not me, right? That's not, what, that's not my, my point. But most people are just in difficult financial situations and there's easy, easy ways out of them a lot of times. So anyway, this fellow wanted some help financially and so I did what I always do. Well, okay, where, where does all your money go? That's my first question, right? Where are you spending your money? I mean, if you, got, if you need money from the church, then I think it's fair for the church to know where you're spending your money. I mean, if you're spending all your money in a mistress, well, I can't help you. Or spending all alcohol or you know, your latest drug deal that fell through or something, you know, I mean, are we, are we going to support that? You know, we can't support that, right? Uh, and so, well, I don't want to tell you. You don't want to tell me? No, but you want me to help? You want the church to help you? Yeah, yeah. He wants to just give you money. I said, do you want to borrow it? Or do you just want us to give it to you? Well, I just read it. You give it to me. Yeah, well, okay. I guess you're bold enough to ask, right? Uh, and so, well, let me, well, tell me where, why, why, do you, why are you in financial straits? You know, uh, are you a tither? Well, I don't want to talk about that. Um, okay, well, if you don't want to talk about it, then this conversation is over. I mean, I can't help you if, I can, if you can't. Because, you know, if they said, well, you know, we had an unexpected bill, you know, we got sick or the car exploded or, you know, we had a hole in the roof. You know, things happen in life, right? And, and sometimes people are unprepared for those things. And, uh, and so I said, well, I can't, I'm not going to be able to help you. And then people were mad at me like I'd done something wrong. And they, well, they're going to lose their house. They didn't, they, did they lose their house? They didn't lose their house. Uh, and because a lot of times people, and I've seen it uh, time and time again, people will intentionally put themselves in a dire strait to force you to help them. And, you know, the Lord, Lord doesn't play those games. You know, if, if, if you go out and run in front of a, a truck and say, Lord, help me, he'll greet you at the pearly gates in just a few minutes, right? I mean, he's not going to go, oh, yeah, send an angel down there and stop that truck. If you tempt the Lord, he's, he cannot be tempted, right? And yet people do that all the time. They put themselves in a position to demand the Lord help them without faith and without in, any uh, um, grace in their life. And, and people do that to each other all the time, right? They put themselves, I know, uh, I think I told you about the lady that, she said, I'm sleeping in the car, you have to help me. Well, you literally have a dozen family members that you can throw a rocket in any direction to hit them, you know, close by. Surely they would let you stay there one night, you know, if you just stayed there one night each night, 
by the time you get through all of them, you could have had a job and gotten your first paycheck, right? Uh, and so, so I'm just not moved by people's dire straits, right? I'm not moved because of their difficult natural circumstances because well, let's back up. How did you get here, right? How did you get to this point in your life, right? Yeah, and, uh, and that doesn't mean that everybody that's having difficulty is, is self-inflicted, you know, with just things happen, right? Life happens, and so there's grace and mercy in, in those situations. But, but that was the extent of financial advice. I'm not going to be able to help you. So he stood up and said, I gave him bad financial advice. And the Lord, had, he instructed me long before I was able to get full victory in it, but he he'd instructed, don't ever, don't ever defend yourself. Because I could have got up and said, well, he's a liar. That's, he was a liar. Lying in church is kind of bad, right? Y'all not lying in church. You reckon it's okay to lie in church? No, but he, he lied. And uh, the truth was, he, you know, he was spending his money in a way that the church couldn't support. Because if it was, if it was no big deal, like, his, like I said, if a major car repair or something came up, or you know, he needed a new air conditioning system or something major that they had to buy and, and then couldn't afford to do other things, that's no big deal. There's no big secret, right? And so, <clears throat> but anyway, the, the Lord, so the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said, what is your responsibility if everything uh, that you think they're doing, that they are doing? So for the most part, everything I thought they were doing, they were doing, right? Sometimes we get in vain imaginations and, oh, they're talking about me. Well, how do you know? I know. Well, you probably don't know, right? But, if, but you know, if, if they come up and accuse you things to your face, you know, and, uh, and, and um, you know, I told you the one lady said, I know that uh, uh, on a regular basis, you would intentionally uh, not mix my channel correctly to make me sound bad. She said that to me. She didn't ask me if I'd done that. She just told me I did that. Well, you know how many times I had ever done that? Zero. I I ran the sound for 20 years, nearly 20 years. That's three services a week, you know, for for 50 weeks. That's 150 services a year. 20 years, that's 3,000 services, right? Now, I did miss a few, but there was also special services we'd have all week long things and traveling and things. And so, but it was thousands of services that I had done that, never did that one time, right? And so, of course, you weren't there, but uh, I could stand before the Lord Jesus and say that and, and not, uh, not uh, be concerned at all that uh, he, might, he might say, well, yeah, you did, but because I never did that, because I fear the Lord. It's not because I liked or disliked the singers, it's I fear the Lord. And, and anything I do, whether it's in secret or open, he knows it. And so if I do it in secret and only he knows it, he still knows it. Uh, and so why would I do that? I have to, you know, if I do wrong by you, there may never be a ramification between me and you in this natural life until I see the Lord. But there, it, will, it will catch up with me, amen? And I, and I know that, and I knew that at that, that time too. So the Lord said, what is your responsibility if everything they, they say you're doing that they are doing? And the only answer is well, I still have to walk in love. That's the only answer. I still have to walk in love. And that really helped me over the years because <clears throat> regardless of how you act, I still have to do right. And, you know, and, that, and if you talk to my kids, they have heard that statement many times. I said, you know, I would tell them it doesn't matter. I, I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you're hungry. You still have to behave. Because a lot of parents would say when their children were just rotten, well, they're just tired or they're just hungry, you know. And they would excuse their actions. And, and, you know, that's just living by excuse. What are they going to do when they get to an adult? They'll just act however they want to. And they'll say, well, I'm tired or hungry or, I'm, uh, you know, I didn't get paid today. And, and, you know, my car broke down. So because of these events happened in my life, I have a right then to be unkind to you. Because, you know, that's my excuse. And, well, 
I'm not going to live by excuse because there's no excuse that, that holds water with the Lord, is there? Is, is the Lord okay if, if you're unkind to somebody because you're hungry? You know, well, you know, well Lord, I, was, I, was, I mistreated him, but I was hungry. You know, I can't imagine a scenario where the Lord would go, oh, okay, well, let's forget about it then, right? It's okay. You, you were fine how you treated him so badly, right? He's never going to say that. He's never going to go, oh, it's okay, right? Is he ever going to do that? He's never going to do that. And so our, 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 will our excuses ever hold water with him? So you've got to be careful about excusing your actions that are, that are against the word of God and saying, it's okay that I did this action that, that violated the word of God because of these things over here. Because there's no, there's no loopholes in the word of God, right? He said, walk in love. He didn't say walk in love as long as everybody treats you fine, right? Because it's easy to walk in love if everybody treats you fine, right? And so he said, what is your responsibility if everything they're doing it, it, that you think they're doing, they're actually doing? And there's only one, Lord, I have to walk in love. And so I set about making sure that I always treated everybody uh, in love to the very best of my ability, regardless of how they treated me, regardless of how they talked about me, regardless of how they lied upon me, lied about me, uh, and, you know, how it didn't matter. I had to do right. And, and that was one step towards getting the victory over, over all of that to the point where, well, say whatever you want to. It doesn't matter anymore because God loves me. And see, the, when you know that God loves you and you really believe that God loves you, then you're good. Because if God loves you and you always do right, you're always okay. Even if everybody around you doesn't like you, you're always okay. If you, if you do right, amen. If you do the word of God and walk in love, and eventually he will, he will get you out of that situation. And he did for us, amen. He, uh, in fact, I remember the very last time we had, I used to call them come to Jesus meetings, and they would get me in, a, in, a meet, in, a, in an office and just chew me out for something. And they, they got... Uh, uh, me and my daughter, uh, one of my kids in the office one time, it was two us out, accusing her of all manner of evil because they'd already gone through me enough. You know, they wanted to accuse her. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, the problem with sin is sin can withstand no scrutiny. So we're in this particular meeting and there, you know, this one family is accusing my daughter of all, you know, well, I, I saw, you know, see this uh, other, and it was, a, and it was adult mo- woman, right? She said, I'm a substitute teacher. And every time I see your daughter's school, she, she hi-hats me. You know, she, she's so rude to me. Uh, and, and I just let her talk, 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 talk. And, and the youth leader was there. And I said, uh, uh, I said uh, how long have you known my daughter? Years and years and years. I said, how many trips have you gone on with her? All kinds of youth trips, you know, and uh, going out to eat and things at the, uh, at the house, just whatever, you know, playing sports and just all kinds of stuff, right? I said, have you ever seen that, that, uh, uh, that action with her? Have you ever seen her act like that? And I knew the answer was, it was no, because I knew my daughter, right? I wasn't, you know, some parents stick their head in the sand and act like their kids are perfect. My kids were never perfect, but I knew and well enough to know that she's not that kind of person. Uh, have you ever seen that? No, never one time. No. Uh, and and um, I said, how many times have I come to you uh, after youth class and asked you how my daughter was doing? Lots of times, because I would. I'd, uh, when they were in toddler's class, when they were in the, in the young people's class and youth class, I would go to them on a, on a pretty regular basis. Hey, did my kids do okay? Because I want to know, you know. <clears throat> a lot of parents, my kids never do any wrong. The good way to find out is go ask, right? And, you know, I never had, uh, on, a, on a rare occasion, I would have something to deal with, but for the most part, they were well-behaved children. And, uh, and so, uh, 
so there, there was no, you know, they didn't have anything to stand on because the evidence of every other person in that meeting was that my daughter is a good girl. And, and later on, she said, well, I just, that adult scares me. I don't like being around them because she was a very rude, you know, some adults are just rude people. This was a rude person. And so my daughter didn't like being around her because she was scary and rude, you know. And so uh, it, is it okay for a young person not to be around, not to like being around a rude adult? I think it's okay, right? Especially you're, you're this tall, you know, and you don't say, what are you doing? You know, and so <clears throat> that's the truth of it there. And so, um, so I still had to walk in love. But see, after that meeting, the Lord said, you'll never have to do that again. Uh, and it's been... 14 years now, 15, 15, going to 15 years, uh, we've never had to do that again, amen, and, and it was right, I think of it, all those things, so the Lord, you know, he will, if you'll do right, he'll always deliver you, amen, he delivered us from that situation, and all is well, and there's no, no wounds or scars, you know, not bitter or angry about these things, and, uh, but you get to learn these things, and, and um, it's one, a statement that Brother Hagen made that, that, uh, that I kind of uh, taken from my own as well, he said, you know, I, would, uh, I wouldn't take a million dollars for the things that I learned. And, you know, when you learn how to get through those situations by love and by faith and not come out bitter and angry and, and hardened, you know, but just come out walking in love, um, you know, you don't have to go through those things to learn that, of course. But if you're going through those things, you might as well learn it because otherwise you end up bitter and mad and, and full of uh, 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 evil intent. Now, and so... He said, I wouldn't give a million dollars for the things that I learned. But he said, but I wouldn't take a million dollars to do it again. And so, you know, I sure wouldn't take a million dollars to do it again. Amen. Uh, and so we were here talking about, uh, we, we had talked uh, over in 1 Timothy. In fact, I think it'd be good just to go back over there real quick. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Um, because there's, there's a couple of points that I wanted to talk about this in here. You know, these are all church, uh, the, the, these people here are all church-related uh, circumstances are going on, right? So why do you think Paul even records these events in the Word of God where people are not doing right in the church? Because people aren't doing, always doing right in the church, right? I mean, I, 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 we ask that question a lot, but, but it helps to remember that, you know, because sometimes we kind of gloss over, you know, the Word of God. Oh, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. If the Word of God recorded it, then these are things we have to deal with in a church. You ever, you ever uh, I mean, we've said it many times uh, that uh, the 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 meanest and most hateful people I've ever met have been in the church. But the kindest and most generous people have also met in the church, right? The meanest and most hateful are one in a hundred, one in a thousand, right? But when they're mean, I mean, they're just so mean. Right? I mean, religious people, they get a PhD in just mean, right? Just hateful, mean. Uh, and just, you know, I mean, one person said that if I was on fire, they wouldn't spit on me to put me out. A Christian said that a child of God said they wouldn't spit on me to put me out. I mean, of course, if they'd asked me if it's okay for them to spit on me if I was on fire, I'd be like, hmm, you just get a cup of water, you know, instead of spitting on me. I mean, I might actually not accept them spitting on me, but still, you know, it wasn't out of their kindness that they weren't going to, they weren't going to spit on me. It was out of their vengefulness. I mean, isn't that vengeful? And look, look, that person that said that I had never done anything wrong to that person. Never. They just didn't like me. And they didn't like, you know, that I wouldn't yield to them. They wouldn't like that I wouldn't bow down and worship them. You know, some people are just full of themselves, right? And if you don't kowtow to them, they don't like you and your mama, right? And I'm not that person. You know, if you want somebody to worship you, I am not that person. I only worship the Lord God. I haven't met anybody on the earth yet worthy to be worshipped. I know I've met many people who think they are, though, right? Uh, and so they wouldn't, I, they wouldn't spit on me to put me out if I was on fire. <laughs> you know, that's still, that's still an amazing statement, right? 
you know, because I'm thinking, okay, a person who goes to church on a Sunday morning does this right here. Lord, I love you. You're so good and gracious. But I won't spit on that guy. I mean, who does that? Who raises their hands and worships the Lord and in the same breath says, but Lord, I wouldn't spit on them to put them out. I mean, it's just, I, I, I can't imagine. Can you imagine saying, saying a phrase like that to another Christian in the church? You know, it wasn't like I was stealing or robbing or, you know, uh, ran over my grandma or anything like that. I hadn't done anything, you know, that was un, unethical or immoral in a church or unkind in a church. But they said that statement, you know, and not that it would be okay if, if I was any of those things, but still, I, I gave them no cause to say that, and yet, because they didn't like me, and it was more kind of a mob mentality, right? I was the one everybody picked on, and so, you know, they just jumped on the bandwagon, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, so the reason why Paul puts these in here is because these things are in the church, right? Should they be in the church? They ought not be in the church. Anybody had problems with people in a church before? I mean, you know, uh, Nancy's like, no. <laughs> I, you should have come and visited me at my, at the, when I was with my pastor all those years, and, and uh, you'd have gotten a, a, an eyeful there. But um, uh, anyway, and, and what, I, what I have found out is, is many of those things have still continued because that spirit, that because that it, it's really a spirit of arrogance that we're right and everybody else is wrong, right? And that, that arrogance still continues even to this day uh, in that situation there. So it's unfortunate, but... Um, and so, um, these things are going on in the church, so we need to learn to deal with these things, amen? Uh, now, some people deal with them, but they just leave the church, right? And, you know, from my perspective, nobody's going to affect the will of God for my life. If you're unkind to me, I'm not leaving. You know, and I decided that a long time ago, that my life is not dependent upon your life. That, that the will of God in my life is not dependent on how you treat me. And if you treat me poor, that's your problem, Amen. Uh, and a lot of people will just run away, and I just, I just, I, I'm not a, I don't run, you know, I just, I mean, I may not be bright enough to get out, of, to get out from under all of that as quick as I should, but I, you know, but I'll figure it out eventually, amen, I just don't like, I, I, I don't like to feel like I've been run off from somewhere, we're going to run you off, you can't really run me off, right, even this church, you all can't run me off, amen, and you're stuck with me, so, <clears throat> and that's a good thing, right, because, you know, I told you about the pastor who was leaving his church because, well, you know, I can't get everybody to come out to my services and they won't give like they should and they won't support me like they ought to. And when I have a work day, they won't come out and do the work day. And so I'm leaving that church. I'm going to go start, uh, start church somewhere else. That's terrible. I mean, isn't that terrible? Why can't you train them better, right? Uh, be an example, first of all. And over a long period of time, encourage them to do right, encourage them to be better. And, you know, on occasion, you can correct them and say, hey, you know, we had this thing and you all didn't come out to this thing. And, you know, you ought to come out if you can, right? But also acknowledging that, you know, people have lives and, and asking somebody to, to work every Saturday at the church or work on an occasion on a Saturday at church. Maybe they work on Saturdays. I don't know, you know. And, um, but I'm not moved by the things that I see. I'm moved by the will of God. The will of God says, pick up and move the church somewhere else, fine, but it, I'm not going to move it because you all won't sit in a chair the way I think you should sit in a chair. Uh, and so, so these things are going on in the church, and it's unfortunate, but they are going on in the church. And, and these are things specifically dealing with leadership. And, and uh, one of the things that, that I did learn from my pastor, and, and you know, it's one of those things that you learn not to do, but over the years I saw so many people that were unkind towards my pastor that would be di disrespectful to him, you know, I remember one fellow, I was walking through the church on the way to the service, and, and one fellow had cornered my pastor and was just chewing him out, 
So you've never helped me. You've treated me like a bastard, to use those words. Uh, and, and, you know, you've never done anything to, to help me at all. And I'm thinking, that is just a flat-out lie. So many times my pastor let him preach. So many times he helped him financially, helped him with food, helped him with different things. And he said he never helped him and, and just treated him poorly. It just wasn't true. But he got his feelings hurt because, you know, maybe he thought he should have been the assistant pastor or something. I don't know. He was really terribly unqualified to do that because... I mean, if you can talk to your pastor that way and accuse him of those things, how are you going to help anybody else, right? Uh, but I, d- I saw so many people uh, mistreat my pastor, but instead of dealing with it correctly, he got real bitter about it. He got real suspicious of people. He, he started uh, being, uh, thinking that everybody, in fact, he said these words, and I've, I've said this plenty of times before, but he, but he would say, everybody that comes in that door right there is going to stab me in the back at some point in time. Now, how many of y'all are sitting there thinking, I'm going to get him. I'm going to stab the pastor in the back someday. Anybody actually put that, that, that thought into motion going, I'm going to do it. Thursday, I'm going to do it. I mean, who thinks that way, right? Why would you even go to church there if that's your goal? I'm going to stab my pastor in the back. Uh, you know, aren't you, don't you have any fear of the Lord at all? I mean, who does that, right? But there were people that do that. I mean, we read in here in the Word of God. There are people that are doing that, right? It's, it's, it's insane to think that people do this, but clearly people are doing that. And instead of dealing with it appropriately and forgiving them and moving on from it, he, w- he would just get more and more bitter towards people to the point that he really didn't want to interact with anybody and really want to help anybody uh, and, um, uh, and, and would, would be very suspicious of everybody that came in the church, uh, especially if it's somebody that was fairly mature as a Christian and knew the word of God and just wanted to come and fellowship with other Christians, you know. Uh, he really preferred people that were kind of weak-minded and, and easily manipulated uh, and that's the kind of people he he liked to hang around with in the church uh, and it's unfortunate you know he didn't want to hang around people that weren't that way uh, and so i learned you know just in my own self i'm not going to do that you mistreat me that's on you not on me right i will forgive you and i'll pray for you and and, uh, and i will do that and the, the, the more you're unkind to me the more i'll pray for you because the more i pray for you the faster all that gets off of me you know because and and i have to I have learned that when I pray for you, especially in a situation like that, I don't mean you particularly, right, but anybody who does that, uh, that I have to pray with a sincere heart. Lord, I desire for them to be blessed. I desire for you to watch over them. I desire for you to forgive them, to, to remove uh, that, uh, uh, that which they've done against me, against their account. And I have to check my own heart. Lord, can I pray that with a, with a sincere heart? And, and then if I can, then I'm good. If I can't, I've got, I keep on praying. I pray until it's 100% sincere. Lord, I desire them to be blessed. Increase them, you know, financially, uh, mentally, spiritually, in every way. Uh, and I will, I will go, that's, that's what I call going on the offensive. Is the offense in my, in my heart is I pray for you. Yeah, I pray for anybody who does those things. Um, and, and until the point that I don't think about what they did anymore. And this, so as far as I'm concerned, never happened. I forgive them and I move on. Amen. Uh, and so, so Paul was talking about here in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. He says, this, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them mightest war good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So uh, it says, of whom is Hymenus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So, so these folks were, were blaspheming. Now, we don't know all the context of that, but they were speaking evil of somebody. And typically, blaspheming is speaking evil in relation to the Lord, right? Blaspheming the Holy Ghost, blaspheming the Lord. Yeah. And, 
And it says, concerning faith have made shipwreck. So, so he, here's the deal. And, and if you go through all of these situations, what you'll find is the only time that Paul addressed people in this strong fashion, right, where he, where he uh, have delivered these people over to Satan for the structure of their flesh, or, for, or in this case, just uh, delivered to Satan, is when people have the ability to influence other people. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of what you see, and we're going to look at some things that Jesus said about this. What you'll find is, is the wrath of God, the anger of God, is, uh, is oftentimes directed towards people that are hindering other people. Amen. And so it's not so much that, well, I don't believe the Lord. Fine, whatever. I don't care. You know, I mean, I, you know, uh, there, there's no such a thing as heaven. Fine. I mean, I'm not going to lose a bit of sleep over it, right? If you don't believe it, not my problem, right? Uh, now, I'll pray for you. I desire for you to do know him, but, you know, that, that's fine, right? I, I'm not going to, well, Lord, they don't believe, they don't believe in, in, in you, so send them to hell. There's no way I'd, you know. Uh, and, of course, Paul never, pre, uh, never prayed for anybody to be sent to hell. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> Uh, but he did hand people over to Satan uh, so that their flesh would be destroyed. Uh, but the, the situation is these people are causing other people in a church harm. And that is a serious offense, right? Uh, and that's really, uh, you know, from, even for me around here in a church, you know, uh, if you don't want to do right, you know, I just, generally speaking, I don't make it my business, right? I mean, if you don't want to be faithful to church, you want to be faithful to the Lord, you don't want to be faithful to your spouse, it just... Generally speaking, it's just not, not, my, not, my, um, uh, not my job to intervene in your life if you're going to self-destruct. You know, and if the Lord says to do it, I'll, I'll be glad to do it, right? But, I, you know, generally speaking, I have to violate your will to do that or, you know, confront your will to do that. And, you know, you have a sovereign will. You get to make your own choices, right? Did you decide to come to church tonight? Did you decide to eat breakfast this morning? Did you decide to make your bed today? Well, those are all your own choices, right? I didn't make you do any of those things. Uh, but... If you want to harm somebody else in the church, see, then it's an issue. And over the years, we've had a few cases, not many, you know, we're not a big church, so we've not had a lot of these, but on occasion, we've had people, you know, I told you about the one person who came to me complaining about somebody else speaking in tongues. Well, what's it to you, right? You know, I mean, you don't want to speak in tongues? Fine, I don't care. You know, you're, waste, you're, you're, you're not wasting, but you're, you're missing out on a blessing of the Lord not speaking in tongues, but... You don't, fine, you don't speak, but why are you concerned about that person over there? Well, you're not supposed to pray in tongues in public. You know, there's a little thing called the Bible that has an entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, on, that talks in great detail about tongues and, and their proper use, and nothing in there says that, right? That, that says somebody can't be praying in tongues when everybody else is praying, right? We're all praying, worshiping the Lord. Well, is it okay for you to speak in tongues when we're all praying and worshiping the Lord? Well, yeah, I mean... Does it matter? Well, of course it doesn't matter. You know, it's just foolishness, right? And of course, now they're, now, well, it does say that. Now they're correcting me, right? I'm the pastor and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe they don't think I ever read the Bible or guess. I don't know, you know, but they thought they were, knew more about it than I did. And I don't care. I mean, I'm just not a competition to me, but I'm thinking, well, if you're, gonna, if you're going to demand that someone do the word, you should actually know what the word says before you demand that. I mean, it just seems like a pretty simple starting point to to have an argument right to, uh, well here's what the word says well they were wrong you know the word doesn't say that you can't pray in tongues by yourself when you're worshiping the lord right and so paul said in fact I'll, he said i'll sing in, uh, I, I was singing the spirit right and so singing the spirit in the context of first corinthians 14 uh, is singing in tongues amen uh, and so 
so the, these things go on, you know. Uh, you know, one person said, I told so-and-so they can't come to this church. I said, look, I, what you do in your house is none of my business. But you don't, but uh, your name's not on the front of this building. Actually, my name's not either, but my name's on that office over there, though. Uh, I said, you don't get to tell who comes to church and who doesn't come to church. That's not, that's not you, that's not for you to decide. You're not the Jeremiah of this church, right? Remember Jeremiah stood at the temple, said, you can come in, you can't come in, right? Sometimes people think, I'm Jeremiah. No, you're not. If, you, if your name's not the pastor, you're not Jeremiah. You know, now if I assigned you that role, which I would never assign him, but you go stand at the door and you tell who can, you know, who does that, right? We live in the New Testament. We don't live in the Old Testament. I told them they can't come to church. I said, well, that's where you're wrong. That's not your, now they didn't like it because some people, you know, if you, ever, if you ever confront them and tell them that they're wrong, they get so puffed up. Instead of, you know, the, the correct response would have been, you know, you're right. You're 100% right. I ask you to forgive me. I was out of line. What I did was wrong. Did they say those words? No, they got all puffed up. How dare you, you know, I'm the grand poobah. You know, you can't say that to me. Uh, and how dare you, you know. And, but they had no, you know, if they said, well, the Bible says this and this and this, you know, it says I can do that. Of course, it doesn't say that they can do that, so they have no Bible for it. Uh, so these things are real, right? They go on in church. But the issue is when, when somebody's actions harm somebody else. Amen. That's when uh, the Lord gets really unhappy, right? Uh, in fact, um, uh, we're not going to go through it all, but just turn back to, uh, to um, uh, Psalm 18. Psalm 18 has been a blessing to me over the years because I have uh, read this uh, psalm many times at, uh, having lived through much of these same scenarios there at least you know in my heart it was, it was these same scenarios but in Psalm 18 it starts out in verse 1 I will love thee O Lord my strength it's always good to start out with telling the Lord how big he is amen before you get on to your problems uh, I, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. So he's, he, David, uh, this is David's psalm here. Uh, this is uh, uh, talking about in the context of it. There's a footnote there that says when uh, Saul, remember how many times Saul tried to kill David? So many times. David, did, did David ever do anything wrong? Did nothing wrong, yet Saul tried to kill him. So many times, right? Uh, and, and so I, I, me and David were pretty tight during those dark years when I was with my pastor because I, I had a, felt a kindred spirit with David that almost the exact same scenario. Hadn't done anything wrong. Hadn't had, had, uh, cheated or lied or stolen at a church. Uh, and yet uh, the pastor was trying to destroy my life for whatever reason. I don't know why, you know. Uh, and so, so me and David, you know, and so he, he then starts out, the sorrows of death compass me and the floods of ungodly men make me afraid. The sorrows of hell compass me about and the snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the, uh, called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple and my cry came before him even into his ears. I have prayed this prayer so many times, just, just these, you know, these, the, the, these, uh, same scenarios right here, crying to the Lord. And I knew, and I knew he would hear, heard his voice. But then the Lord, the response of the Lord here is amazing, right? So David just spends two verses uh, telling the Lord about the sorrows of hell that are encompassing him, right? The difficulties of life. People are trying to harm him. Specifically, Saul, the king, is trying to kill him. And it says in verse 7, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. 
Then went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was upon his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and, uh, and did fly. Uh, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. The pavilion around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed. Hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Now, this is all the Lord's response into, into, uh, uh, in regards to one of his innocent people being mistreated. This is how the Lord responds. This is how he, how he feels, right? And so if you think it's not a serious thing to harm an innocent Christian, read Psalm 18 again, right? Uh, and he says, he, uh, he, Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and discomforted them. Then the channels of water were seen and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me. For they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity. But the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Now, all the verses uh, from the, uh, about verse 4 down to verse 19 is the Lord's response. The reason why the Lord was able to respond the way he did is because of verse 20. And verse 20 is the whole key to this chapter. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. So if you're the innocent one, if you really are innocent, then that's how the Lord responds. Now, if you're just as guilty as them, well, you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. Well, who's the Lord... Who does the Lord help out in that situation? There's nobody. He can't help anybody, right? But now, if you look, if you remember the story with David, he served Saul for years, many years, right? Saul tried to kill him, destroy him. Uh, David ended up leaving the country, right? Went to live with the Philistines for a while. And, and he waited until Saul had died. Even though, you know, uh, Saul should have left the kingdom, the kingship, uh, really like in, uh, for, in, in 1 Samuel 15. As soon as uh, Samuel said, you're, you're no longer king. And it's really before that even. Uh, I, I've been reading a, a, just about that story about Saul. And, you know, Saul never really did right, ever. Even before he was king, he's just, it was always impetuous and just not doing what the Lord wanted him to do, just always second-guessing the Lord and the, his prophet. Um, and, and he just was never a good king, never at all. You know, it didn't like he ended up a bad king. He never started out as a good king. Uh, but, he, but he hung on. You know, some people hang on way past their expiration date. Just move on. But he wouldn't move on. So David had to wait him out. Uh, and, and so w- even though, you know, we never saw th- these particular interactions with the Lord thundered and smoke came from his nostrils, we never saw that in the story of 1 Samuel where, where David was waiting on, on King Saul to straighten up or to die. But this was the Lord's uh, response. And, and it took many years for this to happen, right? Years for this to actually play out where David finally became king of Israel. Amen. And of course, he's the king that the Lord always says, he was a man after his own heart, but he wasn't perfect, but he still always loved the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so the key to this one was uh, according to the cleanness of my hands. And so in reading this, I knew that in all these cir- circumstances with my pastor, I had, to be, I had to do right. I couldn't go around and have a coup. I couldn't subvert the church. I couldn't pull people out way and say, hey, we need to, we need to throw him out of the church and, and take this over for us. That would have been not clean. Right, that had been that would have been subversion of the high, you know, of the highest kind, right? And so, I had to always make sure that my hands were clean 
so that I could depend upon the Lord delivering me. Because otherwise, if my hands are dirty like everybody else's, I have to depend on myself to deliver me. And then that's what people do oftentimes, right? They'll use their own, their own bitterness and, and, and manipulation to try to get things to work out on their own, own behalf. Well, I'm, I'm going to let the Lord do it. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, in that, uh, I wanted to look at, um, let, let's turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 23. So the Lord doesn't like it when, he, when you mess with his people. And the Lord doesn't like it when you mess with innocent people. And the most riled I ever get up, I get at this church is when other people are harming other innocent people uh, and talking about them and gossiping about them to me. You know, hey, you need to go do this. You know, well, what's it to you, right? Uh, and, and, um, and here's why, right? Uh, of course, we read that in, in uh, Psalm 18. But if you come down to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13, it says, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. And so what were the scribes and Pharisees doing? They were hindering people getting into the kingdom of God. And again, that, that's when you see the greatest anger from the Lord is when, when people hinder other people in their faith walk. Uh, and, that, and, and we'll get to some other scriptures related to that in, in just a minute. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore you shall receive the greater damnation. You know, as a pretense you have long prayer. But look at how spiritual I am. I do long prayer, right? Uh, the Lord doesn't like hip- hypocrisy, right? Woe unto you, verse 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. These are pretty strong words from the Lord, right? Uh, is anything like this going on in the church today? You know, the, when I see this going on in a church is when people in a church, and, I, and I've seen it plenty of times, uh, you know, those things will happen. They do happen, right? What you'll see is somebody in the church go and try to proselytize other people in the church for them so they can have a following in the church, right? They want to follow. They want people to follow them. And I know people who desire to be a pastor not because they were called to be a pastor. They had a, a strong desire to help people and to shepherd people and to feed people, right? They wanted to be a pastor so that you could give them an offering, so that you could uh, get them things for their birthday or have a pastor appreciation day and, and receive a big offering for them and, and give them presents at Christmas. And uh, I mean, is that my primary goal in life? Is, is that even a, a goal in my life? It's not even on the list of goals in my life, right? I can't wait till they give me something, right? I mean, it's just, that never, you know, the thought never crosses my mind. I just, you know, what are they going to give me today? Because as soon as I cross that line, I'm out of the will of God, right? Uh, and so, so Jesus said, people that want people to follow them are, you know, he said, you make them twofold more the child of hell than yourself. Because all that's evil intent, right? Uh, and people do it all the time. People do it in the church. They, they want a following, right? And they get on YouTube, they want a following. They get on, you know, they, they, they just, uh, they start a ministry, not because they want a ministry to help people, but they want a following. They want people to follow them, you know? And, and that, whatever that, that, that uh, uh, um, you know, I don't know what the best way, the best uh, word for that, but it, it's, a, it's a character flaw. Whatever that character flaw is, that, that they desire a following, uh, it, is unpleasing to the Lord, right? Is displeasing to the Lord. And so let's turn over to, uh, to James chapter 3. <clears throat> and so 
you know, uh, of course, the Lord has set up leadership, right? Anything wrong with there being leadership in the church? Nothing wrong with being leadership in the church because the Lord set up leadership in the church, amen? And a lot of times people want to have an attitude of, well, we're all equal, right? We're all equal, and, and so therefore there are no leaders in the church. You know, it's funny because uh, are, we, uh, are we joint heirs with Jesus? Are we heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus? So the Bible says that, right? We are joint heirs. So what does that mean from, a, from, a, from an inheritance standpoint? Are we equal with Jesus? Well, for joint heirs, then we're equal, right? Joint means to be equal, right? Equal partners at the same level. We are joint heirs. So we're not, we're not lesser heirs. We're joint heirs, right? Equal heirs of the inheritance of God with Jesus. So, so are we children of God? If we're children of God, then I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God uh, or a son of God. And, and so is Jesus the son of God? He is. So if he's, if he's a son and I'm a son, then we're equal sons, right? So, I mean, so that, so that means that in every area of, of, of the universe, we're equal, exactly equal to Jesus. Is that true? That's not true. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is. Are we the head of the church? No, we are not the head of the church. So even though in one way we are exactly equal with Jesus, but we're not equal with Jesus in every way, right? Because he's made a distinction. He's the God the Father's chosen Jesus to be the head of the church. Anybody else the head of the church? Does anybody else think they're the head of the church? A lot of people think they're the head of the church, but nobody is actually the head of the church other than Jesus. So, so uh, you hear that you hear that uh, mentality a lot of times that well, there shouldn't be any uh, nobody should be above anybody else in the church. But Jesus is above everybody in the church, right? Did he assign leadership in the church? He did. Do you worship the, the leadership in the church? Do you bow down to the leadership of the church? Do you pray to the leadership? No, you don't. But it's still the leadership in the church, right? They lead the, the, the congregation, you know, the pastors of the local churches. And so uh, now in James chapter 3, uh, it says in um, verse 1, I'll read it in King James and then read in the, in the ESV after that. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, in the ESV, it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So there, there is, uh, for those in leadership, uh, there is, uh, you know, one thing, we all, we all stand before the Lord Jesus someday, right, to be judged for all the deeds done in the body, both good and bad, right? He said that for the church, that we will stand before him. Now, not in judgment of our eternal destiny. That's already settled. If we're a Christian, we're settled to go into heaven. But still, uh, the re we will receive rewards or a lack of rewards for the deeds done in the body, both good and bad. Amen. Now, but if you're a teacher of the word, then it's a finer pencil, right? It, it, you know, he's not only what you did, but what did you say? What did you teach? What did you teach the people? That verse you used over there, where'd you get that from? Well, I just made that up, Lord. Yeah, right there. Yeah, back to the back of the line for you, right? I mean, and is that what he says? That, that, that there is a distinction in judgment for those in leadership of the church, amen? Uh, and, and so, so it's, now, uh, you know, for me, the pulpit right here, you know, some people, the pulpit is like a prison to them, right? The, 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 some ministers don't like being a minister for whatever reason, you know? Uh, if, you know, maybe they're not called, I don't know. You know, I don't know how they got there if they weren't called, but uh, for whatever reason, um, but, you know, for me, I, I love it, but at the same time, it's a very serious 
eternal thing that I do here, right? I, I don't treat this lightly. I don't treat this as, well, it's my job, you know, I guess ho-hum, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, I, don't, I don't know of anything I, I, I um, uh, treat more serious than standing behind the pulpit and teaching because, you know, I go through these notes and I go over them and I go over them again. And I make sure, you know, do I understand these things? And in fact, I was telling Jared, you know, I was just before service, you know, five, Jared's like, are you coming out here? Well, I just, I got all these other notes I need to put in my notes, to, you know, just, just before the bell rang, you know, so, well, we need to mention all these things. And these are some of the things that we're mentioning right here that, that uh, the issue with all of these people that Paul was talking about was the fact that they were harming other people. They were hindering other people. They were causing other people to be shipwrecked in their faith. And, and why, did, why did Paul mention that? It's going on today. Right. It's going on in the church today. And so, you know, for me, you know, I would never say something so dumb like, well, don't listen to anybody else but me. Because, first of all, that's ridiculous. Right. Because I can't control who you listen to. Secondly, uh, I'm one of the five minister gifts. Right. I'm, I'm a pastor and I really stand in the office of pastor teacher. But there's five minister gifts. Right. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Well, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist. So you need those in your life, don't you? And I try to bring those, those gifts into the church to help you. But, you know, if you like listening to so-and-so, fine, right? None of my business. Uh, the, the issue is, um, are they trying to mislead you, right? And I know people that, that like certain people that, personally, I would never listen to them just because I think they will shipwreck your faith because their intent is to destroy the local church, right? The local church is the heart of Jesus, right? The heart of the head of the church is a local church. You know, he put this local church here for you all to be fed the word of God, to be fed the spirit of God, to grow and increase in your, in your spiritual walk uh, and, and to get closer with him. But, other, but people don't have that same goal in, in heart. Many people's goals is, is to get you manipulated in such a way that, that there, there's uh, an, un, an unhealthy uh, attachment to the minister, right? That you only follow them and nobody else. Uh, in fact, you know, there was a time when, when my pastor actually said these words. He said, you don't need to get any teaching from anywhere else. You can get everything you need right here. And he said those words, and, and it broke my heart when he said that because it's demonstrably not true, right? You cannot get everything you need just from me, amen? Now, hopefully through, through me exposing to other ministers, you will get much of what you need, but still, you know, there may be things that you need that, that the Lord's working on you that you need to, to listen to other ministers and yeah, and that's fine. I think primarily your, 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 mate, your, your majority of your teaching should come from your church. The primary amount of your teaching should come from your local church if your pastor's actually teaching you. But, but it's, it would be unhealthy to say that you can get everything you need right here from this pulpit. Amen? And I, and I know that, right? I know that to be true because I know what the Word says. Uh, and so, uh, but I still have to do my best to teach you as, as well as I can. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so all of those things, you know, I just wanted to um, to go back and, and, and help us to understand why, why were these people such an issue, right? And, and we'll look at just one more because uh, there's several more, but I just want to look at one more in, in, in uh, Acts 13 because this is kind of a good example of what's going on here. Uh, the issue is when somebody's actions are hindering somebody else. That's a problem for the Lord, right? That's a violation of, of Psalm 18, and, and it's a big issue, right? And so here in Luke, uh, or in the book of Acts, <clears throat> let's read here, in starting at verse 6 of, of Acts 13, 
It says, and when they had gone through the Isle of uh, Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the county, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, a wise man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. So this, this fellow, this deputy here, uh, this proconsul, uh, was uh, wanting to hear the gospel. But there was this Jewish person that was also a sorcerer there, a false prophet, uh, that was in his midst too. Uh, and they called him uh, Elemis too in verse 8. But, uh, uh, but Elemis the sorcerer, for so is he named by interpretation, withstood them, withstood Paul and Barnabas, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So what was he trying to do? He was trying to hinder somebody else's faith, right? Uh, then Saul, who is also called Paul, so this is when we finally start calling him Paul, was here, right here in this verse. Um, set, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O oh, full of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Uh, and, the, and it says then, then in verse 12, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Uh, and so, serious deal right here, right? Uh, basically, Paul called down you know, judgment upon this fellow. Be blind uh, for a season, right? So, he, it, it wasn't a permanent thing. wasn't sickness and disease. But the Lord just took away the ability for light to, to uh, be transmitted to him, and he couldn't see. You know, if there's no light coming into your eyes, you can't see. So, you know, the Lord can keep that from happening if he chooses to, not through sickness and disease, but he's in control of all the light, uh, all the light beams. He can do whatever he wants to do with them. Uh, and so, so the issue was not this. Not, now, he was a false prophet before they got there, right? He was a false prophet when he was there. Not an issue, right? None of Paul's business. You want to be a false prophet? None of my business. I don't care, you know. You want to do dumb things? I don't care. You want to be a sorcerer? I don't care. You want to wear funny hats and clothes? I, not my business, right? But then if you, as soon as you start hindering this person over here from receiving the gospel, now we've got a problem. Now we've got a problem. Uh, and that's what Paul did right there, right? Uh, and, and I've really not seen that level of, uh, of interaction with people in our church, uh, but I have seen it come close to where, where people start uh, clicking together to, to build up their own doctrines, and, you know, there was a time when I, when I knew that was going on and the Lord just leave it alone. And they all ended up leaving the church, you know, because uh, they couldn't handle uh, the word of God because all we do is teach the word, right? We don't, we don't have a bunch of uh, philosophies and things, you know. There's no, you got you to gotta answer to me and, you know, I'm your God and you, you got to ask me what color car to buy and, all the, you know, there's none of that silliness going on. Uh, but we teach the word of God faithfully and we're unwavering in it. Some people don't like that. They want, they want to be able to have the option to control people's lives. Yeah, and and uh, my, my counsel to you is, is not be suspicious, right? You should be suspicious if someone is be your friend. But uh, just be aware, right? Because these things do happen. And if somebody starts trying to control you, trying to separate you from your church, trying to talk bad about your pastor, you know, I don't care, right? I don't have no reputation. Uh, if someone wants to think bad about me, not my problem. I could care less. I lose no sleep over it. But they're going to do that to you to harm your faith, right? To hinder your faith. Uh, and so if they're doing that, you know, well, let's just go talk to the pastor, see what he says about that. You know, that's always a good refrain, right? You don't have to argue with them or, you know, try to outsmart them because they're crafty and wily and, and full of the devil. Because what he said, right? 
full of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, enemy of all righteousness, uh, and you're perverting the right ways of the Lord. Why, uh, why was that recorded? That's going on in the church today, right? Now, are we suspicious? We're going to look over, you know, why'd you ask me to go out to lunch? Well, because I'm hungry, right? There's no, there's no ulterior motives, right? Don't be suspicious, right? Uh, the, uh, what you need to do is have confidence that if this is ever going on, the Spirit of God will show you, right? So that way, I'm never suspicious of anybody. The Bible says, think the best of everybody. I think the best of everybody until the Lord says, be wary of them. And if he says, be wary of them, then what, because Paul said, mark those uh, that cause problems. Uh, And when he said mark them, he didn't like, you know, put a rubber stamp on them. He just like, take note, watch them, keep an eye on them because they're going to cause problems, right? And uh, over the years, you know, on occasion, I've had to mark people, keep an eye on them because they're going to start, start mischief right uh and if i see them starting to harm other people i'll do something about it right i'll first I'll always go to the lord in prayer lord what do you want me to do about it and then whatever he says to do then that's what i'll do amen uh and and that's part of my job but you know the thing about it is you all have the holy spirit so so i don't have to be the only one who does that right uh, what i what I, my desire is for you all to be so full of the holy spirit and wisdom that nobody could ever do that for you. See, nobody could ever do that. When I was with my pastor, people start talking bad about him. I just, I'd walk away. I gotta, I gotta go. I hear my mother calling. You know, just, I'd walk away. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put up with it. And not because, you know, they, well, you know, he, he just really having a hard time right now, you know. And they would wrap it in some pretty sounding words, right? Uh, and I lived through a lot of that. People try to destroy my pastor. And um, I wasn't gonna put, put up with that mess. Now, I could see my pastor clearly for who he was. He wasn't a perfect man. But still, I was called to be there. And, and, um, and I'll tell you this, and we'll go. <clears throat> you know, if, if you go uh, to right when the transition, when David was becoming king, you remember Saul died on the battlefield, right? And there was a fellow that was with him uh, that uh, Paul, uh, or Saul, rather. Saul was in the battle, and, and he had been wounded but hadn't died yet right and so uh, he asked for a fellow to come and help help kill him right because he's hey i'm dying but i don't want the enemy to get me while i'm alive you know come help me kill myself right and so he did but then he went to david and said hey i killed saul your enemy thinking he's going to get a big reward right because he everybody knew you know david you know they would sing songs of david david's killed his ten thousand saul has killed his thousand right and saul got mad because well, you know, I've killed more than a thousand, you know. Why are they singing David's got, you know. He started getting jealous of David. And, uh, and so, so people knew that there was a conflict there. And so he thought, well, I'll get in good. I'll get in good with, uh, with David uh, by telling him I killed Saul. He didn't kill Saul. I mean, he, he helped him kill himself, but, you know, he was, he was going to die anyway, right? He, he could have said, hey, he died on the battlefield. And, you know, I reluctantly helped him because he asked me to. You know, I didn't want to, but I didn't want the enemy to get him and, parade him through the town and blah 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 and that's what Saul asked for but he no he bragged to David I killed your enemy and, and David said uh, did you not fear the Lord to touch the Lord's anointed that's what he told them told the man and he had him executed right there uh, because he thought he could get in good with David because Saul had mistreated him so he's gonna go behind the scenes and stab Saul in the back and get in good with David you know people do that all the time all the time that's trying to get in good with you by running down the pastor, right? And I, look, I, I'm not trying to protect myself. 
I'm always okay, right? I mean, somebody who says anything against me, I'm not going to lose a wink of sleep over it, right? But for you, I'm, my concern is for you because if they do that for you and now they're going to shipwreck your faith, that's their goal, right? The devil behind that mentality is to shipwreck your faith. That's what Paul said that Alexander and Hymenaeus had done is shipwrecked people's faith. And, and that's the issue. That's where the Lord gets full of anger and wrath when, when, when one person hurts and harms the spiritual walk of another person. That's an issue, right? And, and uh, does it go on in the church today? We've got many examples in, just in the New Testament where this was going on. And so just know it's going on. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be suspicious of people. Let people, you know, let the Lord tell you if there's an issue there. Uh, and if they say something like this, hey, let's go talk to the pastor. You know, you got a problem with the pastor? Let's go talk to him. He's right over there. Let's go talk to him, right? That's a real good way to take care of it, right? Because uh, they, they'll never do it. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I didn't mean anything by it, you know. No, no, go ahead. Come ahead. Because yeah, uh, the, devil, the, devil, the devil never likes to be uh, confronted. Amen? And I'll never be upset at people that do that, you know. Well, what's your problem, you know? Uh, uh, and, and we'll deal with it. Amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for uh, the examples that you gave us in the word. And, and, Lord, although these things are serious matters and they are going on in the church, we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to be full of suspicion, Father. We have your spirit living on the inside of us, Father. We know your word. We're trained by your word. Father, we follow your word and your plan. We will not be uh, moved aside from your word, Father. If you want us to be involved in a local church, Father, then we will be involved in the local church. And Father, if you want us to have a pastor, then Father, we will have a pastor. And Lord, we will not be shaken from that plan. We will do exactly as you instruct us to do in your word, Father. We worship you and you alone, Father. We worship no man. We worship no position. We worship no pastor, Father, no church. But we do worship you, Father. And we thank you that you live on the inside of us and are gracious to us and kind towards us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good, amen. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a serious topic, you know. We don't usually get quite this serious, you know, but, but uh, um, uh, they're pretty serious. These are pretty serious things, right? I mean, when, when people start getting handed over to Satan, that's pretty serious, amen? Uh, we don't know what that looked like, but it, it wasn't good, whatever it was, right? Uh, and so, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, we appreciate your goodness and kindness and uh, faithfulness to the Lord, amen? Is he, if he's faithful to us, it's easy for us to be faithful to him, amen, to do what he asks us to do and to follow his word. And, and um, um, you know, I'm never, I'm never concerned or afraid. Come ahead, Mr. Dear, receive the offering. I'm never afraid of my position in a church. I'm never afraid that, well, somebody's going to come in and steal the sheep or somebody's going to come in and ruin the church. Somebody's going to come and try to take over the church from me. I'm never, never afraid of that because I don't want it anyway, right? It's not like mine, right? It's not my position. Uh, you know, uh, the Lord said of, of Jesus in the word, right, that, that uh, being the son of God was not something he grasped or, or he didn't consider it robbery or something to be held on to. You know, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, this is my pulpit, right? And, and none of you all can have it. I mean, if the Lord said, hey, give it up to somebody tomorrow, no problem, Lord, whatever. I mean, you know, it's just you know, nothing I have is uh, above the Lord saying give it up, Amen. Uh, and so that's why I'm never afraid of it. Because if someone says, I'm coming to take over your, your, your pulpit. If the Lord hadn't said that, I'd be like, whatever. You know, grow up and leave, right? I mean, just, I, I wouldn't even think twice about it, right? Uh, if the Lord hadn't said anything about it, you think he would tell me if, if he wanted that to happen? I think he would tell me, right? He wouldn't send some, some 20-year-old, you know, come here and do that, you know. Uh, and uh, we got any 20-year-olds in here? <laughs> we got one over here, right? 
you know, so you got to be careful when you throw rocks, you know, you might hit one, you know, and so, uh, but um, anyway, not afraid, amen, so uh, uh, that's good, so y'all be blessed, have a wonderful week, we'll see y'all on, oh, and one other announcement real quick, um, uh, on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, uh, Dora and some of the ladies, I think it's Dora and um, uh, Miss Lou and uh, Rosemary are, are praying at the church from 8.30 to 9, right, um, and so they've just been doing that, just uh, desire to pray for the ministry, the church, and then other things that they need prayer for. Um, if you'd like to join them, you're welcome to come. They just, uh, it's, you know, they just pray from 8.30 to 9. So if you've got time on Monday, Wednesdays, or Fridays, just come in and join them in prayer, right? They don't uh, prophesy and, and don't uh, teach a bunch. Of, they just pray, amen? Uh, and so if you, want, if you want to come and join them, you're welcome to do that. And we'll announce that again on, on Sunday as well. So, all right, we'll see you all on Sunday. Have a wonderful week. week. We'll see you then.